Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been thinking a lot about Simeon, the character that we find in the temple right after Jesus is um, born and he's being presented in uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 21. And really, in this character of Simeon, we see a model of a person who is like a, a watch person, who is watching and looking for the true uh, Messiah, the true one who's coming, who's the Savior. And I think we have a lot to learn from him. And I want to just read this first part, and then we're going to unpack it. So beginning in verse 21. So when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now we have Simeon here beginning in verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of Allah, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, and we're going to look at what he said a little bit later. But let's just look at Simeon in the context of, of Luke um, chapter 2 here. So we see that Simeon is described as being righteous and devout. And that's the first thing we know about him. And secondly, we see that he's looking for the consolation of Israel. Now that term consolation is the term paraclete, which is the word comfort or defense help. It uh, comes from the verb parakaleo. And this brings us directly into a relationship with Isaiah chapter 40 that begins um, in the Greek text with this verb um, parakaleo. You know, comfort, comfort ye my people. And I say ye because it's second plural, you know, second person, second plural. So it's you all, you know, comfort, comfort thee, comfort thee my people. Um, and so it's plural group that is that is being told to comfort the people. And um, we see that that particular word is um, it's translated here consolation, or, and it could be comfort. So this guy's looking for the comfort, um, you know, of Israel, the true comfort. And then we see also that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And, um, and so that is a key f feature, I think, of someone who is you know, who is like Simeon, who is, you know, who is, uh, I guess, a model um, watch person of sorts. And, and then it says that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. So here's someone who'd received past revelation by the Holy Spirit, who is upon him now as well, that, um, that he wouldn't see death um, until he first saw the Christ. So this was a prophetic 
word that he'd received somehow. We don't know how that happened, whether it was during during the night in a dream or when he was in prayer. It doesn't tell us how it was revealed to him, but this is a person who is in tune with Revelation, who was interruptible and took the revelation that he was getting seriously to the point where it oriented him. And I think this is an, this is something that we need to really develop if we don't already, you know, have that sort of posture. You know, we, we really need in our day and age to raise up people or to be raised up as watch persons who are standing on the wall of our of our families, of our of our cities, of our towns, of our ministries, you know, of our workplaces, of uh, the larger world, uh, rightly, you know, um, looking for, I guess, is the word um, that's used here, um, and the consolation, not maybe just of Israel, but of you know, of our own nation, of our of our own of ourselves, you know, what do we typically? look for when we're, um, when we're wanting to be consoled? How do we seek consolation? I know that in our community, uh, the first answer that people would give would be drugs and alcohol. You know, so many people, they self-comfort through their uh, drug of choice. And um, on the streets of Mount Vernon in Skagit Valley right now, fentanyl is that drug of choice. But um, in the larger culture, we have other ways that we, you know, that we comfort ourselves through um, well, in our county, the gambling, you know, gambling at the casinos, um, just looking at the stock market and consoling ourselves about how our money's doing. Hopefully it's doing well, you know, if we're wealthier and we have uh, a stock portfolio. Comfort eating is another way that we comfort ourselves, you know, um, and shopping, you know, how, how do you comfort yourself? What um, are the ways that you self-comfort? Anyway, all of us have probably different different approaches, different things that we do. But this guy was looking for the comfort, and I think he was able to see um, what wasn't the comfort of Israel. And this is something that's critical in our own day and age. Like, um, I would say that um, it's safe to say that Netanyahu um, is not the comfort of Israel right now, and that the United States would be definitely a false comfort for Israel. And, um, and, And Donald Trump would definitely be uh, a very disappointing false comfort for Americans, as would Joe Biden. And um, our parties, our political parties, are sorely lacking in any capacity to actually comfort. Because actually, true comfort is something that is um, one of the results of prophetic ministry. You know, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that says, eagerly desire the spiritual, especially that you might prophesy. And it says that the one who prophesies, prophesies for peoples to be built up, to be uh, exhorted, but also to be comforted. That's the word, um, the same word here, um, parklete. And so it's it's really the prophetic word that is, um, in other words, the word of God, the fresh living word of God that is the, you know, is what's going to bring comfort. But in this case, uh, Simeon was looking for actually a human being who was the Messiah, the, the awaited Messiah. And I'm sure he was uh, noticing many pretender messiahs that were uh, stepping up and presenting themselves as the solutions. Um, we definitely have plenty of those in the United States right now as we as we enter election year. And there's Democrats and Republicans, well, mainly Republicans. They're all vying for being the top dog, being the, the nominee to uh, in the in this election that 
is, you know, coming up this year. And so there's pe plenty of people that are telling the American public, you know, vote for me. I'm the comfort of the United States. You know, I'll make America great again or, you know, I'll build the economy up. And, you know, the Republican Party, you know, we are people, we are the party that will bring security and stability to our economy so that people will believe in the economy again, as if we should believe in the economy, which is clearly an idol and which would best be described as uh, with the word that Jesus is, Jesus uses as mammon when he says, you know, you cannot serve two masters. Um, you will either hate, love the one and hate the other and or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if anyone's saying, I will provide... Um, you know, I will be the party. I'm the party and I'm the politician that will bring uh, back faith in the economy. I would say that we don't want to vote for that person um, on those grounds for, for sure, because that would be like voting for the guy who would, or the woman who would help us re, uh, reaffirm our allegiance and our belief in mammon. But anyway, um, let's look a little bit more closely once again at Simeon as the model um, watch person, as the model uh, looker. So he's looking for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So that's really necessary. It had been revealed to him in the past by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. You know, what has the Holy Spirit revealed to you regarding, um, you know, your future? What are you looking for that the Spirit has told you you will see? You know, John the Baptist, he was looking for the one upon whom the Spirit descended and remained. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit had revealed that to him, that um, that one who was one who was coming, whose, whose thongs he wasn't worthy to untie, this is the one who had baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. And um, the Holy Spirit had revealed, or God had revealed to John, that uh, the, the, the sign that the one, that that one had come would be that the Spirit would come down on that one in some way that he could perceive. And then he said he saw that. And so then he knew Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So um, so anyway, so he came into the temple, uh, it says, in the spirit. And, um, and then when his parents brought in the child, Jesus, um, he was able to take him in his, into his arms. And at that point, um, we see that he, well, he got it right. He's described by Luke's gospel as really identifying Jesus at a, at, as a very young, um, as a child here. And here this term, uh, pedium, is a direct reference to the servant poems that we have in Isaiah chapter 42 and in chapter 49, um, chapter 50 and 53. And so I just want to refer to those really quickly, like look at Isaiah chapter 42 even though the term pedion doesn't occur in the Greek text here, but pais, um, which is, uh, behold, my servant, my pais, which is uh, directly like uh, related to pedios, pedion. But um, anyway, behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one and whom my soul delights, I put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Okay, so what will he look like? Well, he will not cry out or raise his voice. Um, he will not make his voice heard in the street. So he's not going to be about PR, you know, uh, pushing his, uh, you know, marketing strategy um, in an overt um, way. Uh, he's not going to be about his brand, I suppose. A bruised reed he will not break. So 
Those that are crushed, he's not going to further crush them. A dimly burning wick, he will not extinguish. Same thing. Those are references to the oppressed and, you know, the, the afflicted. He's, he's going to be really gentle with these folks. He will faithfully bring forth justice, and he will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. In other words, maybe he will become disheartened and crushed at that point um, when he brings the justice you know, in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his Torah, his law. Now that term, his law, always refers to the Lord. And so this is one of the cryptic identifications between the servant and God himself. The, you know, the, the Lord, uh, kurios in Greek, um, who is the, that's the divine name. And, um, and so this servant is described as a human who's humble and, um, and then who has the mission. Later on, we see um, in, chapter, in verse 6 of Isaiah 42, And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not give my glory to another. Okay, so remember, this is the very text that is at the foundations of Isaiah chapter 61, that Jesus quotes when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, to bring liberation to the oppressed, right? And so that um, 42 develops into 49. 49 is the second servant poem, poem, and that's where we actually have pedium occurring um, together with doulos, slave. Um, Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me, and he's made my mouth like a sharp sword. So there we, there we go. We see this picture of, of someone who's been called from infancy. And um, their mouth is like a sharp sword. And here they're called, um, in the Greek text, um, my slave. We're going to see that in the next verse. So this is concealed, one who's concealed. He's made me like a select arrow, and he's hidden me in his quiver. And so if this is a concealed uh, servant of the Lord, this uh, messianic figure, who's hidden, then a revelation is necessary, which which is what Simeon is really uh, tuning into because God has revealed, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Christ. And he was able to identify baby Jesus as that Christ. So he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will um, show my glory. And... Um, this is the term slave in the Greek text. You are my doulos, Israel, in whom I will show my glory, which I think is a direct reference to Egypt, but that's another question. And then um, the servant says, I've said I've toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord and my reward is with my God. Now listen to this um, in the next verse. Um, this is verse six now, or five. And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his pedium. Um, that's the term, same term as we have for the child Jesus. To bring back Jacob, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. And, um, and then he goes on and says, um, I will make you a light to the nations and that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. To the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, 
to the servant of rulers. Kings will see and arise. Princes will also bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. <clears throat> okay, so these are pictures of the servant of the Lord, um, the, this character that's coming, you know, who... Um, you know, who is described in Isaiah 53 as despised and rejected a people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, you know, and, and he's described using language that is, you know, that is, that is, uh, you know, we're all familiar with because it's Handel's Messiah, right? Where it says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To whom? Well, Simeon, certainly, um, it was revealed to him. And do we have eyes to see? You know, is this the one that we're looking for in terms of the consolation of our nation, of our family, of ourselves? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we would look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised, and we did not value him. Okay, so this is just some important background, because really Isaiah is assumed in this text um, of Luke. So we need the Holy Spirit to be able to see that, um, that, it's, that the baby, Simeon, needed that, but we need it to ourselves. So he came into, this, into the temple in the Spirit, and then he was able to take uh, the child into his arms. And... And he's described, he describes that child as a light of revelation to the Gentiles, doesn't he? So um, anyway, we're going we're gonna to see that um, in this next part. We haven't looked at that yet. So, um, so he takes baby Jesus into his arms and he blessed God. And, um, and so I think this is super significant. Um, you know, we need to develop eyes and ears to to see and to hear and to notice um the when when god is present in in a way that is in full alignment with jesus you know jesus says many will come in my name and say i am he um, and don't go after them like many deceivers will come and deceive many and so simeon was someone that wasn't deceived you know he was looking for and he was looking for and he was looking for and we must be willing to look for and look for and wait and not uh, say yes and um, endorse anybody who is um, who is not the real deal. Okay. And uh, even if that means that we just look like we're hopeless um, because we're not going to put our hope in anybody but the real um, Lamb of God, who's the only one that, who could take away the sins of the world. So now um, here's what is super cool what Simeon says now. So um, he says to, he blesses God and he says, um, and he calls, I believe he's speaking to, to baby Jesus now. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant, your slave to depart in peace. So imagine this, he's looking at a baby and he's saying, now, Lord. Now, at first you might think that's the word kurios, the normal Greek word for Lord, but it isn't. It's the word despota. And so it's like um, he is affirming um, Jesus to be his master. It's a word that is despot, you know, sounds like dictator or something, but and it but it has that nice notion of master. Now, master, uh, he says to the baby, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. So um, 
that's pretty cool to think of a baby bringing such comfort that now uh, Simeon, who's been looking for the consolation of Israel, is able to go in peace uh, because um, t- taking that baby into his arms um, allowed him to go in peace according to your word, um, which I assume is the prophetic word that had been told him, that he wouldn't see death um, until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. For he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Um, the glory of your people Israel, that would mean the, you know, the the true identity of, you know, of uh you know, of God's elect, God's choice, God's servant, who is identified with Israel in Isaiah, but is also somebody other than Israel. So it's like um, someone who represents um, the expectation of the people and who comes out of the people, but is a singular individual who is the awaited one. So um, so how would Simeon know? Um, it wasn't obvious by natural observation. Many parents would have brought their firstborn into the temple to redeem them with sacrifices. You know, this redemption of the firstborn was required of Jews. And um, because the firstborn was given to the Lord, according to um, Exodus, according to the Torah. But um, we have in Exodus, you know, right prior to um, Israel's liberation from slavery, we have this rite where um, the Israelites are supposed to take a lamb, an unblemished lamb, and and that's supposed to be sacrificed in place of their firstborn. And the firstborn represents the totality of that family and the generations that follow. So we have a genealogies that go from the firstborn male to the firstborn male to the firstborn male. So it's the blood of that lamb that is uh, put over the doorposts to protect the whole family from the the destroyer and um so anyway the torah allowed um people to um well the lamb an unblemished lamb was supposed to be used but there was a provision for poor families that they could bring a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons and so the fact that that mary and joseph brought um you know a pair of turtle doves you know uh, shows that they were they were poor and um, somebody who was looking for the consolation of Israel and was expecting a Messiah, uh, maybe wouldn't naturally assume that that would be the child of a poor family. They would assume this would be someone of stature. And so Simeon had eyes to see beyond that and to be able to embrace this child of a poor family who, had, who was being redeemed by just maybe two pigeons. And um, I think that's that's pretty beautiful. Um, so the Christ child um, was a baby of an impoverished couple, indeed. And this is one of the features um, and something we should look for. Rather than looking for, for the, someone from the billionaire or the millionaire class, which most of our politicians are from, those wealthy families and, you know, they're, they're high-bred um, people from the best universities, Yale, Harvard, whatever. Um, you know, here's someone who um, had to flee uh, persecution, you know, from Herod and go to Egypt as a refugee and, and then come in and then ended up in Galilee. And Jesus was the son of a carpenter. But 
Simeon sees this one as the light of the nations, and um, and then that's a direct reference to the servant of the Lord, who is, you know, who is uh, going to bring light to the nations. So he knew Isaiah's prophecy, didn't he? And um, so anyway, let's look further at this. So Simeon um, blesses uh, Jesus's mother and his father, and gives them sort of a wake up call in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, he um, really is prepping them and us to look for and rightly identify the Messiah. And this blessing, I think, is uh, was necessary, the blessing that he gives in these next verses. So check this out. It says he blessed uh, Jesus's mother and father. Um, it says uh, in verse 33, well, first of all, it says the father and mother were amazed at the things that were being said about him. And then in verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So they need to be they needed to be blessed in order to be able to uh, raise this child and go through the kind of suffering that they were going to go through when they saw how this child was going to be um, someone that would that was would be like a rock of offense, you know, the cornerstone that people would would stumble over and be um, be offended by, and Mary herself would uh, her soul would be pierced, and um, so Jesus is a prophetic sign. That would be opposed and clearly uh, they and we uh, need to be blessed we need to receive god's direct blessing um, mediated through maybe prophets like simeon so that we you know we can be able to carry on and um you know and carry um this message this liberating gospel uh, that is embodied by jesus uh, to the to the you know and be faithful to the end so um, he blessed them and said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. So, so Jesus brings about the fall of many. And um, this is in direct alignment with what Mary says in the Magnificat. Um, you know, when she, uh, when she prophesies in Luke chapter 1, verses 51 and 53, it said, um, Of the God, he has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts of their heart. And he's brought down rulers. Um, so he's not about raising up rulers, is he? He's not about this seven mountain um, heresy of, uh, of us taking uh, the positions of power of government, of the economy, of the arts, and all this stuff that certain, um, you know, certain religious leaders, theologians are promoting, you know, this idea of dominionist uh, kind of theology where, you know, we rule and, they, and we reign and, and so we're about uh, political power and um, economic power. You know, um, no, Jesus was um, someone who would bring down anybody who's up, right? And then raise up, uh, exalt those who are down, downtrodden, because that's the next part of, the, of, of Mary's song. He's exalted those who are humble and filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. So... This is something that we need to be very aware of. And we see that in the Old Testament, like in the Greek text of um, Zechariah chapter 14, um, verse 18, 
It says, and if the family of Egypt shall not go up nor come, then upon them shall be the, the fall or the overthrow with which the Lord shall smite all the nations, whichever of them shall not come up to keep the feast of the tabernacle. So there's all this talk about, um, about ruin, about calamity. These are the, this is that same word in, in Greek um, that is used here for the fall um, of many. And um, anyway, that's kind of a whole other Bible study that we could do. Um, but um, so like Jeremiah 29, 21, for at the sound of their fall, the earth was scared and the cry of the sea was not heard. Um, you know, and I think uh, falling is something that um, that is necessary in order for us to really be open to Jesus oftentimes. And in our church on Sunday, I was talking about how our people are really the fallen. You know, um, pretty much everybody has been through huge amount of suffering and calamity. People have uh, had years of addiction where they've lost everything. They've spent years of their lives in prison. And um, a lot of our people are homeless and or just barely in, in, in some apartment or maybe now in their car. And so um, these are people who are actually quite receptive to the gospel because they're in a place of need. Uh, but they've also had to fall from a higher place, you know, where they were living the fast life and, you know, um, maybe had a lot of money from drug dealing or from, you know, from whatever, and then ended up, um, you know, not really being open to Jesus until, until they, they fell from the heights. And, you know, and I myself witnessed my father and mother, uh, who, uh, at one point were fairly wealthy, who went to, um, came to the point of complete bankruptcy and lost our family home and their cars. And on my dad's 65th birthday, he fell um, and he fell hard. And really, um, it was it was really a super hard thing to go through as a family. But I saw that my dad and mom were so incredibly humbled and so open to the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that corresponded with my dad getting prostate cancer. And it was through falling that they came to this point of of really being open to the Holy Spirit, filling them and raising them up. And they never recovered financially, but they were, they were righteous. They, they were real pursuers of, 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 of Jesus and of the kingdom of God. So um, we're told also that, that the Christ, this baby that Simeon has in his arms would be assigned to be opposed. Um, and that term means resisted or contradicted. And of course, that's exactly what we see when, with all the talk of the of the cornerstone, you know, the rock of offense that, you know, is uh, throughout Luke's gospel. You know, we have that mentioned. Um, you know, where Jesus is described as this rock of offense that um, the stone which the builders rejected. This is like in Luke um, twenty, verse seventeen to eighteen. The stone which the builders rejected. This became the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And I don't believe this means like destroyed, but it's more like we're going to fall to the point where we're going to be recognizing our lostness and our, and our neediness. And it's, that's in order to be raised up, we've got to, we've got to be brought down. And if we're already down, then we're, we're more than halfway there. And the only way to be raised from the dead is to die, right? And um, so anyway, um, this um, 
this term pitosis, which is the fall or the downfall, is a prerequisite for anastasis, which is really the resurrection, that word to be raised up. And, um, but we, um, you know, we need to be aware that resisting Jesus is normative, okay? And, um, you know, resisting um, is something that we, if we find ourselves resisting Jesus as the Christ in his way of being, um, of wielding power through powerlessness, you know, through emptying himself and becoming, becoming obedient to the point of death, if we notice we're resisting and we're, you know, we're hitting against that cornerstone, okay, that's a sign that we're really, um, that we're actually onto something, okay, and that we need to, we need to be aware and be able to confess our own resistance and, um, and come into alignment with um, God's way of, of saving, which Simeon saw and, and held in his arms. And we too can be like Simeon. We can hold this baby in our arms and say, um, um, my despot, you know, my master, um, now, um, now let me depart in peace. Let me go in peace because um, I'm receiving you as the one who comforts, as the only true comforter. So Mary is described um, as a sword as will pierce your own soul. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus had, had described um, himself as being uh, not coming to bring um, peace, but a sword, right? Um, remember that? He says uh, earlier in chapter Luke, in, in Luke, um, um, you know, where he says, um, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, Luke 12, 49 to 53. And so... So anyway, back to our text. Um, let's just look a little bit more at what um, what this looks like. So, um, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and beyond. You know, um, many in America, many in France, many in the UK, many everywhere. And a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul um, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So, um, so I believe that this is talking about um, how when we are offended by the revelation of God in Jesus, which I think we will be. Um, so many people are offended by Jesus these days, right? Um, they, they can't take that he's uh, committed to resisting evil in a way that doesn't include killing and, um, you know, self-defense through weaponry. And, um, you know, there's so many aspects of Jesus that people find troubling, you know, just uh, inviting us to forgive 70 times 7 and um, to not judge and to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us and so many things, right? But um, the thoughts of many hearts being revealed, you know, what, what, what thoughts are being stirred up and revealed in us when we look at Jesus and when we encounter his teachings. Um, you know, Jesus himself is described as um, being aware of people's reasonings. And that term, like in Luke 5.22, um, that's the same term as we have here. You know, um, dialogismos is the thoughts of many hearts being revealed. So Jesus was aware of their reasonings and answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Um, you know, why are we reasoning in our hearts in a particular way? Are we open to having our thoughts of our hearts uh, being exposed 
as not in alignment with the revelation of God in Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse 8, and he knew what they were thinking, same term, um, dialogismos. And he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he got up and came forward. And then Jesus looked around and he was angry. And he said, what is, what is it, what is right to do to, to give life or to, you know, on the Sabbath or, or, or death, right? And, uh, and so he had the man extend his hand and it was healed on the Sabbath. Um, Luke 9, 46, an argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, you know, um, the thoughts being revealed, what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his, uh, uh, stood him by his side. Right? That's an amazing text. Um, and um, Luke 24, 38, um, you know, Jesus uh, talks to the two that are walking back on the road to Emmaus. From Jerusalem after um, he's been crucified and he said to them why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts that's the word uh, that doubts is the word dialogismos um, Romans 1 21 for even though they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations that's dialogismos um, and their foolish hearts were darkened um, you know, First uh, Corinthians three twenty, and again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they're useless. That's the that's the word dialogismos, the reasonings. Um, so um, there's just lots of different examples of this. Um, Psalm ninety three eleven, that's according to the Septuagint. So I guess that's ninety um, ninety two eleven. The Lord knows the thoughts of human beings, that they are vain. Um, Psalm 139 to 138 in the Septuagint. It was you who knew my sitting down and my rising up. It was you who discerned my thoughts, dialogismos in the Greek text, from afar. Um, so anyway, those are just some examples. And um, I think when we find that our thoughts are resisting the gospel, this that's an opportunity for us to confess and to um, actually repent and to um, really ask that God's mind, the mind of Christ would, would displace our own resistance and rebellion, you know, that we would come into agreement, we come into alignment. Um, you know, the, the thoughts that are being revealed, um, it's like, um, you know, it's like uh, the light exposes the darkness. And, um, you know, Jesus speaks about this in Luke 12, verse 2. But there's nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And really, this is an aspect of prophetic ministry. And Simeon is saying that Jesus um, would be um, a catalyst and his presence. And, um, you know, which is the comfort of Israel and the comfort of the nations and the light um, of revelation to the nations. This is... Um, this is a revelation that it, that it, that exposes um, the hidden, that which is hidden, and um, and so we need to realize that it's not um, necessarily immediately comforting. It might be it, it it's not comforting to the powerful, and it's uh, it it would be comforting to victims of the powerful. It would be comforting to people on um, you know who have been who have been hurt, who have been harmed, who have been traumatized, and um, and so let's. Let's be alert this um, 2024 to um, and to 
being letting the spirit be upon us um, and really being able to welcome Jesus and hold him in our arms. Um, First Corinthians chapter two, verse 10, for to us, God revealed them through the spirit for the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Um, and first Corinthians three thirteen. each person's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. So um, I just uh, want to just pray that we would be people who would be like Simeon, um, able to um, look for and um, identify rightly the consolation, the comfort, the true comfort, um, which to bring us back to the beginning, we need to remember that um, what Simeon the way that Simeon did that was that he was someone who, um, well, he was seeking to be righteous, wasn't he? He, he was he was surrendering his life over to God. Um, he was looking for the consolation of Israel, which I think is something that we're invited to do to to watch, to uh, to look for, and um, the true comfort. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And that's something that's available to us. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we can ask for, that God would give us revelation so that we would be able to identify rightly the kingdom of God, you know, and be able to see um, what how that is different from the pretender kings of, of this world, the pretender rulers. Um, coming, He came in the spirit into the temple. And then he um, he identified Jesus rightly and took him into his arms. And, um, and may we be courageous enough to receive the blessing ourselves um, so that we can, um, you know, we can be faithful to embrace the one who the world has rejected and will keep rejecting this Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.